My journey first starts in the fields of the Coachella Valley in Southern California. In this desert landscape, workers stoop over rows of crop and their silhouettes contrast against the burning sun. In the summer, temperatures reach up to 125 degrees, but workers nevertheless continue harvesting the land, tilling the soil and collecting its crops. Like the earth's hunchback, they eventually blend into the horizon. In California, around 90% of field workers are migrants from Mexico, and many of them are undocumented. Throughout their time in the United States, migrant workers are likely to have their wages stolen, to be exposed to pesticides and unsafe working conditions, and to be harassed by their employers. I grew up with these stories, stories of broken bodies and fragmented visions of the future. These are the stories I was holding onto when I first made my way to Oaxaca in the summer of 2023, in what was the beginning of a journey that would take me thousands of miles away from home, but still somehow bring me closer. Colorful skirts fly alongside braids threaded with ribbon. Leather sandals move across cobbled streets in harmony with the bandas that lead each performance. Men with straw hats and patterned bandanas invite onlookers to dance. During the month of July, the streets of Oaxaca are filled with a smell of trayudas, vibrant artisanal clothes, and hand-painted alebrijes. Performances begin in the outskirts of the city and draw visitors from all over the world to see. Que la Getza 2023. Estamos juntos de nuevo. I had no early idea what it was, but my parents told me about it, and they spoke very highly of it. I remember when I was younger, they had DVDs of like performances, and they would watch the Yelagetsa at home. I was really excited. I mean, not only for the festival, but to see my family again. And I remember being like very emotional. I think at moments that took me by surprise, like, wow, I'm really going back and I was in disbelief. It was beautiful. You really don't see people know about Oaxaca, like how distinct you are, and just to be recognized was very beautiful and affirming to see. That was my friend Mirka Cruz. Mirka is one of my closest friends at Sanford. Like me, she's the first generation American with ancestral roots in Mexico. Mirka was raised in Ohio, but her family is Zapotec, and they trace their indigenous ancestry to Oaxaca. I first learned about the Galagatza festival through her, before we set out to Oaxaca in July, and were able to witness the festival directly in person. There are few words to describe what it means to visit Oaxaca. Oaxaca is magic, it is beauty, and although my family is from a different state, Oaxaca is a space that continuously pushed me to consider different possibilities for living and for being. For my friend Mirka, Oaxaca is home, and an opportunity to reconnect with her culture. While she entered Oaxaca already grounded by her ancestors, I navigated through Oaxaca still in search of what that space would mean for me, as someone raised in a community where to be Mexican means to be made invisible. That summer, I set out to Mexico hoping to conduct interviews with former migrant field workers for a project exploring how they've been impacted by climate change. That project didn't exactly pan out, but it brought me to Oaxaca with my friend Mirka, and eventually also to the Galagetza Festival, where community members rejoiced in festivities that spanned the entire state. Participating in the Galagetza Festival was a transformative experience that ultimately changed how I looked at the world. However, during my time in Oaxaca, I would realize that a legacy of violence occupies one of Oaxaca's most joyful celebrations. In 2006, a strike by the teachers' local union and the government's violent response would forever change how the Galagetza Festival is imagined and contested. 
My name is Lisbeth Luevano, and today I'll walk you through the different features made possible when you balance narratives of dispossession with narratives of joy, how we see that manifest in Oaxacan celebrations, and the different ways that community members seek to make themselves visible. It was very, I don't know, unlike nothing I've ever seen before. And I feel like that's something everyone in my lifetime should see something as beautiful as that because there was so much pride and that's what I felt the entire time. Every July, the capital city in Oaxaca becomes alive with music, fiestas, and celebration. Across two Mondays, the state celebrates the Galagetza Festival in an auditorium overlooking the city. It was 10 a.m. when Mirka and I lined up for the festival's evening show under the summer sun. The past few nights had been filled with lively chatter, but outside the auditorium in the intense heat, the line was more a collection of traffic and vendors calling out to sell their offerings, while people covered themselves with umbrellas and shawls. Every so often, the auditorium would fill with noise. I was waiting in line, and we were just sitting there, and the huge auditorium was there, and all of a sudden we could like, hear like loud cheers from there. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? It just made me really excited. While we waited for hours in anticipation, the auditorium would shake with the sounds of performers and the lively response from a captivated audience. It was just really amazing to see how much pride everyone had for each of their regions. And I was getting emotional there because everyone like, would be like, oh, if you're like from La Costa, like say something. Like everyone started yelling and they're like, La Sierra. And I was like, oh my God. Although different pueblos in Oaxaca celebrate their own Galaguetzas, the Galaguetza Festival in Oaxaca City is the state's most recognized. It's marketed as an opportunity to honor and showcase Oaxaca's indigenous peoples by performing traditional dances and displaying authentic forms of dress. I talked to Dr. Gaspari Vera Salgado, who is a current project director at the UCLA Center for Labor, Research, and Education. He also attended the Galaguetza Festival that same summer, and I was interested in learning more about his experience. Everybody. I mean, it feels like the whole town goes to uh, Lunes El Cerro. Quite amazing. I mean, it's so much fun. It's really festive. It's really nice to see indigeneity taking center stage. Each group, you feel how proud they are of being there. I went in the morning and each delegation started by introducing themselves, usually in their native language. For each of Oaxaca's 16 ethnic groups, a delegation introduces themselves in their native tongue. Afterwards, the group performs a dance. This year, the performances also included that for Oaxacanos as their own distinct group. It's really nice to see indigenous people so proud of who they are, so proud of their tradition, speaking in their language and sharing that, right? Like all of Oaxaca, each dance is filled with color, with lively movements and music that move the audience to wave their hats and cheer. The dances are also another form of telling stories. In one performance, a group of dancers chase after a man dressed as a jaguar, who eventually climbs up a tall pole to escape them. In the Parabe Mixteco, a woman unties a bandana from her skirt, and a man charges after her like a bull as she twirls around the stage. The two go back and forth with one another until she falls into his arms and they share a kiss.
To close out the show, the dancers all make their way onto the stage, and the whole auditorium is eventually engulfed in a show of fireworks. While Mirka and I were there, all around us, the audience broke out into chants, shouting. The energy was very unexplainable, almost. Like, I feel like I've never felt that before. Since then, I've attempted to make sense of everything that happened that day. As a student trained in anthropology, I wondered about the Galagatza Festival's history, so I turned to Marlon, who I first met as a tourist guide and who has been to the Galagatza Festival around six or seven times. My name is Marlene Polito, and I'm from Oaxaca, especially from the valley of Ocotlan, and I've recently been working in tourism for about eight years. As part of her work in tourism and as someone who was born and raised in Oaxaca, Marlene is very knowledgeable about Oaxaca's history and its cultural traditions. So I asked her how the Galagatza Festival first started. In Oaxaca, in the city, we used to have a teocali, which was a ceremonial area in honor of the goddess of the corn. And we would practice or we would give thanks in this case to the goddess of the corn for all of the crops we've been harvesting. No, because it's usually a rainy season when we do Galagatza. So it was a way of giving thanks for the crops and also doing like these ceremonial dances in honor for her. But when the Spanish conquest comes, they start teaching us religion, they start changing our concepts and start incorporating the religious Spanish calendar with the Mesoamerican calendar. And they kind of like match them up. Now the dates that are for Centeotl tend to match with the dates for Chendel Carmen. So if you notice, the festivity of going in the city was for Virgen del Carmen because Virgen del Carmen is celebrated the 16th of July. Now, so... The Gelaguetza comes right after that. First, we celebrate the Virgen del Carmen, and then we celebrate Santiago, the goddess of the corn. The Gelaguetza festival has a complicated history, and not one that's easy to untangle. During my time in Oaxaca, I found that many community members couldn't agree on its specific origins. Dr. Olga, an anthropologist I spoke to, who is likewise based in Oaxaca, told me that the Gelaguetza festival is an invented tradition. She traces the history back to 1951, to a moment where government leaders and business owners met to discuss how Oaxaca may attract more tourists. They built the image of an indigenous festival off of traditional celebrations from smaller communities, who eventually lost their cultural significance in the process of creating a festival that could cater to tourists. Although these narratives may contradict one another, for my part, I don't intend to present either version of the festival's history as true. I leave that to be interpreted by the listener. However, these opposing narratives raise questions about authenticity and what it means for the state's Galagetza festival to present itself as displaying authentic Oaxacan culture. Oaxaca depends on the tourists visiting the Galagetza festival and local festivities and fairs, to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars for its economy, meaning that every year, the government has to produce a show that's entertaining. In doing so, there has been growing criticism that the government has co-opted traditional practices for commercial purposes. However, this doesn't discount the very real pride that Oaxacans feel for the festival. For those not familiar with Oaxaca, it lies south of Mexico, just above Chiapas and next to the Pacific Ocean. It's one of the country's poorest regions, and also one of its most diverse. Around 48% of the population in Oaxaca identifies as indigenous. Oaxacan people are on the margins, and we're kind of all like grouped together because of the way we're racialized, broadly in the United States. I mean, yeah, we are in Mexico, but we have a very different identity than Mexicans who are not from Oaxaca. I don't think a lot of people recognize that. 
Mexico, despite its diversities of cultures, is a predominantly mestizo society, meaning the individuals who have mixed indigenous and European ancestry more often occupy positions of power. Because Oaxaca is predominantly indigenous, it's often been thought of as backwards, and it's not uncommon for other Mexicans to refer to people from Oaxaca in derogatory terms. Yet, the popularity of the Galaguetza Festival has driven visitors from all over Mexico to visit Oaxaca. I mean, this year, at least this year, I saw some more nationals. The families I worked with on those days were all from Mexico, either uh, Guadalajara, either Rey, uh, Ciudad de Mexico. So I'm happy to, to see more, more nationals, no? meaning they start to value our state better. You ask someone from Oaxaca, are you Mexican? Like I say, no, I'm Oaxacan. I'm not Mexican, I'm Oaxacan. People are very proud of being Oaxacan, no? Like Marlene, my friend Mirka would also frequently bring up pride, telling me how amazing it was to see Oaxacans embracing their culture and their indigeneity. When I was discussing this festival with my family members and my parents, they were very proud of it and they were really excited at the fact that I could go and see this. It is a matter of cultural pride for Oaxacans to be able to see their traditional dances and native languages platformed on the big stage, and for other people to also witness them. However, at the same time, Oaxaca has become, well, I would say more touristic than before. It, it is. No, that, that's like one of the issues that tourism is always going to have. Gentrification in the mountains, in the, the parks, in the city, everywhere, everywhere around yeah, tourism, there's always going to be that problem. And I think that's why we should really, or at least I try to work with more, how do you say, responsible tourism. In the last two decades, Oaxaca has been experiencing growing gentrification. One survey estimates that the number of foreign residents in Oaxaca has increased by over 400% since 2001. While local businesses benefit from an increase in tourism and an increase in revenue, tourism has transformed how the state's Galaguetza festival is experienced, which is why a different Galaguetza, known as the People's Galaguetza, has been increasing in popularity. The day before the official Galaguetza, there was a um... Uh, popular Galaguetza in the Socalo, actually, organized by the teachers' union. So just one example of um, how the Galaguetza as a festival, as a cultural space, is contested space because it's not one space. There are many spaces and many people claiming that space, right? And one of these actors, a political actor, is the teachers' union, the Section 22 of Vicente. Section 22, or Section 22, is a teachers' union faction representing Oaxaca. It's one of the largest unions in Mexico and represents thousands of teachers across urban and rural areas. During my time in Oaxaca, I began to understand that while so much of the Galaguetza festival centers around joy, there's also an underside to it. The teacher advances to her class that next week there will be no school. Students cheer, but one student asks the teacher why. The teacher responds, do you see how the chalkboard is crumbling, that the only water we have is from gutters? We don't have electricity or school supplies. You kids aren't even able to eat at least a little bit of bread before coming to school. We're going out to strike for a better education for the boys and girls of Oaxaca. During the summer months, each year, Oaxaca's teacher union, Section 22, carries out a strike in the Zócalo in the center of Oaxaca City. Most of the teachers work in underfunded rural schools, where children go to class hungry and sometimes without shoes. Each year, Section 22 occupies the streets of Oaxaca City. 
They move into the Sokolo and tents and try to force the government to give them additional resources for their community schools. Usually, the teachers go by unnoticed, but that would forever change on June 14, 2006. In the middle of the night, while the teachers were sleeping in the center of the city with their kids and families, the governor, Ulysses Ruiz Ortiz, sent in a paramilitary force to violently evict the teachers from their sit-in. Without warning, a helicopter shot out gas canisters, and in ensuing chaos, 90 people were injured. Dr. Olga, an anthropologist from Oaxaca, describes to me what it was like to witness the strike of 2006 and the violence that followed. Bueno, mi nombre es Olga Montes García, originaria de la ciudad de Oaxaca, y soy doctora en antropología por la UNAM. Ese 14 de junio, que fue cuando el gobernador Ulises metió a la policía, eh, me fui a dar una vuelta, dejé el carro poco alejado y caminé, pero claro, ya había pasado lo más difícil, esto fue en la madrugada, el desalojo fue en la madrugada. Yo fui como a las 10 de la mañana, no, como a las 12. Todavía se veía, se notaba, ¿no? La, la batalla que hubo, fue una, fue una batalla campal allí, se notaba las piedras, o sea, la gente todavía estaba asustada. Allí estuve, estuve, o sea, fui un ratito. Fue una etapa efectivamente muy difícil porque había muchos bloqueos. Yo trabajaba en el Instituto de Investigaciones Sociológicas, que está su edificio en pleno centro, y vivo en la parte norte. Entonces, para regresarme, era vuelta de rueda porque muchas calles estaban bloqueadas. Y entonces, si yo cometía el error que lo hice, que se me olvidaba que estaban bloqueadas y me quería meter para, por Jalatlaco, el barrio de Jalatlaco, bloqueado. Pero aparte era la zozobra de que no podía uno salir de noche. Por un lado estaban los bloqueos de la propia sección 22 y por otra parte pues el temor de la policía, porque pues, la policía veía a algún joven que, que ya lo veía como sospechoso, ya lo detenía. O sea, fue una etapa difícil. Aquí yo vivo en la parte norte, no había nada y una noche fue horrenda. Porque empecé a que la gente corría, que motos, que camionetas, decía, pero aquí no hay ninguna oficina, aquí no hay razón. Así que el día siguiente, con, con mucho miedo, temor, abrí la puerta y me asomé. Pues abría barricadas. Y dije, pero ¿por qué pusieron barricadas? Si no, aquí no hay nada. Entonces fue una etapa muy, muy difícil, que la verdad no sé cómo la vivimos. O sea, dejamos, yo por lo menos dejé de salir y, y cuando volví a salir de noche que fue en Navidad, yo tenía mucho miedo de regresarme, de donde fui a cenar a la casa, porque dejé de, de salir. Tensions mounted between the people of Oaxaca and its state government. Seeing the government's violent response to a peaceful protest, community members in Oaxaca rallied around the teachers and occupied the streets. Protests continued until December. That year, the state's Galagetza festival was also canceled, citing concerns for the safety of tourists. At the same time, in response to the government's continued investment in the state's Galagetza festival, the teachers' union started an annual tradition that continues even today. Their own Galagetza festival, known as the People's Galagetza Festival, or the Galagetza Popular, created by and for Oaxaca's pueblos. Today, the teachers' union continues to organize for increased investments into rural indigenous education. Although the teachers' union was not able to have their demands formally recognized, every year they celebrate the People's Galagetza. Just like the teachers' union that uses the Galagetza festival to remember the violence that occurred in 2006, migrants of Oaxacan descent continue using those same festivities even after they've migrated to the United States. Dr. Rivera Salgado describes to me how migrant communities in California celebrate in the streets in order to mark themselves as visible in horizons of displacement. So there are dancing groups that, you know, are higher 
by, you know, people in Osnar, people in, in LA to come and dance. We have more than 17 community brass bands, you know, that can play live music during the Galaguetza. And this is like, these are from the, you know, dishwasher gardeners picking out their instrument at night and rehearsing to the more professional musical bands by second generation kids. So the the same goes, if you see five Oaxaqueños in Los Angeles, there are 10 celebrations. While Oaxacan migrants in the United States face many institutional challenges, including racism and discrimination, even within the Latine community, these Galagatza festivals allow them to celebrate their indigeneity and culture in the streets, where the public can also witness it. And this, that, that to me is so interesting that, you know, immigrants have invested, because we tend to think of Mexican immigrants as so marginalized, so dispossessed, so poor. We tend to think of themselves as, you know, like so poor that all they do is suffering. Well, go to one of these galaguetas and there's no suffering there. There's celebration, there is resilience, there is, you know, is full of music, full of joy, full of tradition. So it's kind of a counterintuitive to go to see to these Galaguetas and you're just like, wow, these people are not acting poor, marginalized, sad people. <laughs> They're full of joy, full of uh, energy, and also full of pride about who they are. And so that's, and then to find out that these are, you know, immigrants who, who work as dishwashers, as cooks, as janitors, as gardeners, as nannies, and, 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 they rehearse at night in the afternoons and they send their kids to musical classes to learn the tradition. Then you see how important that community investment is, you know, how important it is for these people to maintain a connection with home. Dr. Rivera Salgado's description of these other Galaguetzas created by Oaxacan migrants reminds me of why it felt pulled to the Galaguetza festival in the first place. Marlene describes, Galaguetza, uh, it's a Zapotec word, meaning uh, to give and also to receive back, no? So basically share among each other. Long time ago, it was like an offering. We were giving thanks, no? We were sharing with Santeotl because Santeotl has given us crops. So it's always been about sharing. It's always been about helping each other out. The Galagatza Festival is built on this idea of reciprocity. For example, during the festival, each performance throws out artisanal goods into the audience for them to enjoy. However, beyond the exchange of material objects, I also think about the mutual aid that the Galagatza Festival evokes, how it becomes a space for other Oaxacans to build community and maintain their kinship ties to one another. Teacher Union's Galagetza allows people to organize themselves politically to call for increased public education funding. The People's Galagetza in California otherwise allows migrants to remember their connection to home, creating counter-narratives to the different ways that they are systematically pushed to the margins of society. Now back in the Coachella Valley, I think about the stories that I grew up with and the worlds now made anew as narratives of dispossession are transformed into narratives of joy. A huge thank you to my mentors with the Stanford Storytelling Project, including Don Fraser and Laura Davis and the rest of the Braden cohort. I also want to extend my gratitude to Marlene, Mirka, Dr. Salgado, Dr. Afortit, and Dr. Olga, who agreed to be interviewed for this project, and to all the community members in Oaxaca who welcomed me with open arms. Music is scored by Blue Dot Sessions, and audio is pulled from the documentary 
Un Poquito de Tanta Verdad, produced by Corrugated Films. This episode was produced by Lizbeth Levano as part of the Stanford Storytelling Project.